Good morning, everyone. Running a little behind today. Had a couple of little technical issues that always seem to come up out of the blue. Uh, but we're here and we're live. So please like and subscribe, uh, share, comment, and we'd love to answer your questions. Um, had a great weekend. Uh, got to get in the car and drive, do a little, do a little take a day to do nothing day. Um, actually, driving is very therapeutic for me, so it was nice to get in the car and, and, and uh, get away for a day or so. We're going to start this off with a comment. Uh, I'll put the video in the, I was hoping to get it on the shared screen, but some of the technical issues I had, I didn't have time to pull it up and, and do all that. But basically, I shared a clip uh, from one of our podcasts and basically should I fast if I'm trying to gain muscle? And the clip is basically me saying, if you're trying to gain muscle, it's probably not a great option. And if you're a stress monster, you're under a lot of stress, intermittent fasting is probably not a great option either. And the gentleman uh, said in the comments, probably not a good option. So you don't know. That's really helpful. And this is something that people don't quite understand. There are principles that basically apply but until we actually try something, we don't actually know. But when you've seen a large sample set, like, for example, my brother is severely allergic to rubbing alcohol. Okay. So if you put rubbing alcohol on him, he will have anaphylactic shock. He'll have rashes, the whole deal. That's a very small percentage of the population. So does that mean we should stop using rubbing alcohol because my brother has a reaction to it? Okay. And we didn't really figure that out until he actually tried it. A certain number of people die when they take aspirin. Luckily, it's such a small number that the benefits of aspirin outweigh the 0.00001% chance of you dying from taking it. There's certain people that just react that way. When you start, there's principles and things that you do with people that have a higher probability of success, but you really won't know until you actually do it. And that's why one of the big issues in the fitness industry is like this N1, this person did carnivore and fixed all their problems and they're lean and they're jacked and they're doing great. But the vast majority of the people that try that end up crashing and burning. So, uh, you know, Christian Thibodeau, I'll share the, the link to his video series on intermittent fasting. And he talks about how different individuals respond based on their stress based on their cortisol, what's going on with their body. Some people develop like binge eating habits. So they develop a really bad relationship with food if they do intermittent fasting. For some people, it works great. It's a tool. And a lot of these things, we really don't know really definitively what's going to happen until we actually try them. But I've worked with so many people, I can play the probability game and go, eh, the probability of this helping you is high. That's why we have our five fundamentals. Because, you know, the five fundamentals, the probability if you do all those things, the probability of you getting the goal of looking better and feeling better is going to be extremely high. Some people only need to do one or two. Others don't. Other people, you know, have to do them all. And there still might be something missing. The human body is such a complex system that, that there's so many working parts. That's why we just basically check off as many boxes as we can and, and, and see what happens. Test, retest. And um, Christian uh, is a great strength coach, um, known him, uh, rep all of his stuff for years and years and years. A specific example of a bodybuilder that he worked with that was 250 pounds and was eating 1,700 calories a day. Now, 
for most bodybuilders, $1,700 calories a day would bury them. It it just wouldn't be enough food. But this guy could maintain his muscle. You know, Christian said he was so efficient. He didn't need a ton of extra calories. So does that mean that every 250-pound bodybuilder should eat 1,700 calories a day? Probably not. And we won't know until we play with it and see, you know, changing. And that's the thing, too. I've done fasting, and it's worked for me for certain periods of time, and then it doesn't work anymore. Just like training. You do something for 8, 10, 12 weeks, 3 months, you get make progress, and all of a sudden your progress falls out. And so then you have to either, like, increase recovery or maybe you need to increase volume. Um specifically when it comes to training, I respond, like, if I want to get big and jacked, heavy weights do it for me, okay? That's what makes me get big and jacked. Um, I can grow muscle on sets of five, sets of three. Most people don't do well that way. My, my former roommate, Alan Crest, who, who trains uh, Shaquille O'Neal now, who has an incredible coaching uh, business online, he needed more volume. He'd need volume, right? And so he had, he had to train, we, you know, we had to learn, he had to learn that he needed a combination of a little bit of heavy lifting with volume. He responded really well to that, you know, because I can get big doing sets of fives. doesn't mean everybody can get big doing sets of fives. A lot of people don't have the structure to handle. I'm built to handle lifting heavy things. A lot of people don't have that structure. So the whole point of this, my response to him was um, probably not, he said, not a good option. In other words, like, Oh, thanks for the answer. Thanks for the no answer. In a large sample size, there will be those that will still thrive even if the method is not ideal for most people. Right? So you you give like a thousand cockroaches a bug killer and there's going to be a percentage of those cockroaches are going to live, right? And the majority of them are going to die. Um, so does that mean, you, you know, it, it's like, in this sample set curve, and you'll you'll learn this training with high-level athletes. There's certain athletes that are so amazing and so adaptable; they they thrive in despite of the training. And that's why I always look at the middle of the curve when I'm working with athletes. Okay, what are the guys in the middle doing? There's going to be people at the bottom of the curve that no matter what you do, it don't matter. Like you could have the best program in the world; they're just not wired right. Then there's the people in the middle that are like they're going to be more dependent on like what you do. And then there's the outliers at the top who can do all the things, the Keith Richards, the Dennis Rodman's, the, you know, the, the, the goblins, the guys that you run with their broken feet, like those people are up here, but that doesn't mean that everybody in the middle should be doing what the people at the top do. Cause it's going to break most of them. <clears throat> well, some people's metabolisms, Ryan, that's a great question. Some people's metabolisms are so efficient. Like there are, um, there there's an Indian tribe, or I don't know what the proper term for them is, in Arizona, who traditionally live on less than 1,000 calories a day. And they have one of the highest, you know, because they're eating like insects and they're eating, they, you know, they're living in the middle of the desert. They don't have a lot of things to eat. So their metabolism has evolved over the years. And they get it, they get energy from the sun and the ground, um, you know, when they're in nature. Um, so th- there's there's people that don't that have super efficient um, a super efficient system, and, and they don't need the extra calories. There's people that can live on low low doses of calories and do really well, 
There's people that need higher doses of calories. Of course, your metabolism changes with the environment and with, with the things that you're eating. Um, you know, the science behind able to do that is some people are just better at doing things than others. I mean, some people, some people go on a carnivore diet and put on a ton of muscle mass. But the majority of the people that, 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 that do carnivore diet strictly without a lot of carbohydrates, they struggle to put on muscle mass. They don't have the insulin to do it. Like insulin is the most powerful hormone in the body. So if you're trying to get bigger, secreting insulin on a regular basis is going to be beneficial to you. But there are people that always are going to do well regardless of what they do. And that doesn't mean that everyone should do that. So but some people are can eat a ton of food and never gain weight. And other people can look at a donut and gain weight. I tend to be the, the look at a donut. Well, not really. It depends. It takes me, I have to overeat for a long, long time before I gain weight because I have so much muscle. My metabolism tends to speed up. But, um, but if I eat, uh, you know, a lot of processed food, I put on a lot of weight really quickly. A lot of, I, I tend to hold a lot of water. So that's why I don't eat a lot of processed food. But I'll, I'll the video to Christian where he gives that example and talks about it. But there's some people that are just wired certain ways. And that's why you got to be really careful, like taking advice. Like I took this supplement and I did this, or I, I'm on this program and it worked for me. Well, that worked for you. Great. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for everyone. Right. So that being said, <clears throat> now let's get into the actual title and the topic today, how to boost na immunity naturally fast. <clears throat> and you know, I have a, I mean, obviously I'm not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. This is just based on my own experience. And, you know, I have firsthand um, experience with dealing with immune system uh, issues. Uh, it was probably, uh, I first had an autoimmune disease and like ultra colitis in, in, the, in the, like 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. <clears throat> it was a combination of too much work not sleeping enough, having a couple car accidents, stress in the market collapsing. I ended up with colitis, and that's what really got me into the, like, sleep, rest. You know, I was working way too much, not taking care of myself. And I ended up getting colitis, and I was able to get it under control through diet, lifestyle change, things like the float tank, meditation, you know, being introduced to Paul Check. Um, you've got to work in so you can work out. I thought a day off from the gym was resting, but when you're working a 12-hour day, and you're only getting four or five, six hours of sleep at night, that's not rest, okay? So uh, that is correct. We are all our own little uh, science experiment, right? And, and you know, like if you have some, I've had people literally the only change they made is they drank more water. And you know, we don't know like what was the side effect of that. Okay, they drank more water, their body had the ability to detox certain things that got certain pathways going. Or I've had people just add protein. That's the only thing they did, and they dropped sizes. Um, so for some people, it's as simple as changing one or two things. I had another lady who had PCOS. We did all the things. You know, we, she was on a computer all the time. We got her outside more. You know, she didn't respond. Her PCOS didn't go into, like, remission. There's a podcast on my website, jimlaird.com. Uh, you can go read Carla's story where we talked to her. It took us a year to figure out the right amount of exercise that was right for her at that time. And we had to dial it way, way back. And finally, she was able to get results. She was trying to train really hard, and her body just didn't like that. And so we are all an N plus one. We're all a science experiment. 
and you want to check off as much of the low hanging fruit as possible. You want to gather data like or ring, you want to do labs, and then you can see like, oh, okay, this is probably something I need to take care of. You take care of those big rocks, and as you get going, you, you basically fine tune according to to the results that you're getting or the, the you know the negative results, the positive negatives and things that are changing. Um, so absolutely. Um, and thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the discussion. And I appreciate the question. But I, I mean, I've seen some really weird stuff. I mean, here's an example. I had a young lady who was a soccer player who was 16, really good soccer player. She kept rolling her left ankle. And when she was standing, her, her left foot would basically collapse. collapse. And she couldn't like put her whole weight on her left foot for whatever reason. And I did all the things. You know, when you have ankle issues, usually it's a hip issue. It's a pelvic, you know, rib cage position issue. We did all the things for months and months and months and, months. and still kept rolling the ankle. We're doing everything that, you know, we were supposed to be doing. So when I run into an issue like this, I have people that I take people to that know a lot more than I do. And one of them is a guy named Bill Hartman in, in Indianapolis. Um, if you ever get a chance to go visit Bill, Bill has helped me, you know, with back issues I've had from car accidents. He's the one that basically taught me about circumferential expansion of breathing circumferential expansion, uh, circumferential expansion embracing and about the pelvic rib cage relationship and, and basically uh, how position affects performance and how the tr there's trade-offs there. Bill takes a look at her, has her do a few things, scratches his head, goes into a drawer, gets a popsicle stick, puts it in her mouth on the left side, has her bite down on the popsicle stick and her foot goes flat to the floor and has her do the assessment, she nails it. Takes the popsicle stick out, has her do the assessment, she fails. It was her jaw that was causing the issue. You know, does that mean everybody's got a jaw problem? No, but if you take care of all the things and it doesn't work, it might be something like that, but you have to pick the low-hanging fruit first and then just keep investigating, keep investigating, keep investigating. You know, for the vast majority of people I see, most of the reasons they're not feeling well and they're not in a good place is because the chronic stress that they're under from modern life. So that's a tough topic for another day. But to get into the immunity thing, so I got I got my colitis under control. And then it was, uh, I can't remember, somewhere around 2014, 15, somewhere in there, we were doing, my former business partner, I, Molly Gralbeth, were doing our second Train Like a Girl. We, we Molly and I did, uh, started uh, a, a seminar series where we did train like a girl one and two we had women it was really the first it was really the first seminar exclusively for for training women and we were having two train like a girl two was was basically happening when this happened i went and got my one and only pedicure i had a young lady uh convince me that my feet were in a bad place and that she would really appreciate that if i went and got a pedicure so i i i and got a pedicure. I, I basically was, a, it was seduced into getting a pedicure, I might say that. And um, so a couple days after the pedicure, I start getting this pain in my right leg. And I'm like, ah, I lifted heavy the other day, you know, nothing. All of a sudden, my leg starts to swell up and turn red. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So I go to the walk-in clinic and they go, well, you got cellulitis. They give me a shot of antibiotics and symptom. I'm like, okay, this is going to get better. <clears throat> uh, go back. It's not getting better. They tell me to put heat on it, which makes it worse. So then one of my clients 
you know, I'm wearing, I always wear, usually wear shorts. And one of my clients who's, an, who's a medical doctor, he's actually the head of the uh, Cancer Institute at a hospital in Lexington. And she goes, why are you wearing, why are you wearing pants? And one of the girls said that I needed to look at something and, and something with your leg. And she's like, you're limping a little bit. And so I basically, you know, uh, show her my leg and she turned white. And she runs out to the car. She gets on the phone. Uh, she calls somebody and she's like, you're going to the infectious disease center right now. So I had to infectious disease center. I get in there. I show them my leg. Lady turns white. Get I get rushed into the into the room. They bring in all the interns, and the doctor walks in and goes, "This is really severe cellulitis. But this is MRSA. He's like pretty much gone. Um, he was very blunt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when they're bringing all the interns in to look at you, um, you know, it's not a good a good time. So um, they immediately start IV antibiotics. Luckily, it wasn't MRSA. It was staph. It was a staph infection, and they were prepping me for amputation because it was it was really getting out of control. And luckily, we were able to bring that down. Um, with antibiotics. Well, and then I got the lecture that one, you need to be on antibiotics for the rest of your life. And two, that it's going to come back. I want to be on oral antibiotics for the rest of my life. And two, it was going to come back. But this time when it came back, it wasn't going to manifest itself in the leg. It was going to be a full body, get a fever, like you don't have any respiratory symptoms. And all of a sudden you have this massive fever. And you're like, you need to get in the hospital as soon as you can. So a couple months later, sure enough, I'm in the gym and I start feeling weird. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I got to get to the hospital. Something in my gut told me. So I start driving to the hospital. I leave the gym, leave my assistants in charge. By the time I get to the hospital, I'm like running 104, 105. I'm hallucinating. And they put me in an alcohol bath. They give me antibiotics. Well, this repeated itself for every couple months for like a year. And I was starting to run out of antibiotic options. And I ran into a guy named a very controversial inflammatory figure named Dr. Jack Cruz. And we became, I ran into him at a paleo FX that I was speaking at. We started talking and interacting. And I, I told him about what I had going on. And he's like, like, tell me what you do for a living. I was like, well, I'm a strength coach. So I start at five in the morning and I basically go till, you know, six, seven, eight at night. And he's like, when's the last time you've seen a sunrise? I was like, probably when I was a kid, like going on fishing trips and stuff. He's like, how much sun do you get? I'm like, well, I go outside. I pretty much wear sunglasses. And you're most of the time spend in the gym. He's like, you do realize that the sun runs your immune system. Your immune system changes with the seasons. And you're basically, you know, your immune system is jacked up because you spend your entire day under artificial light. So, so that makes sense to me. So I, I was like, I'm going to, you know, this, I'm going to try this. So I, I basically came back, pissed all my clients off, fired all my morning clients, didn't start till 10, spent my entire morning out in the sun, would take sun breaks during the day, put some red lights in the gym, put some UV bulbs in the ceiling, some black bulbs. So it made it a little more like sunlight. And sure enough, I did not have another infection uh, for uh, until this year. For some reason, early in January, I had a little flare up. I had a fever and some reason it manifested in my leg and I got a little bit of cellulitis in the leg and but I was able to basically uh, treat it with IV vitamin C and and get it under control myself without antibiotics which is great. Um, so I went years and years and years with no absolutely zero issues because I started living a more outdoor lifestyle. So I would say, you know, based on my experience, um, and of course it's like not 
but but it's a it's a fact that the sun basically runs your immune system and your hormones and most people are zoo humans so i literally like now i do like i literally spend 97 percent of my day outside uh the only time i'm inside is to cook food and sleep um and you know i have all the lights off at night i've got you know red lights and things like that and uh, yeah jack jack essentially uh saved my life so uh you know always be grateful for that from him but um he, he basically exposed me to that information and then I started implementing it into my into my coaching. I was like, you gotta get outside. A lot of these people are struggling with hormone issues, they're struggling to sleep. And that, that all of a sudden circadian rhythm became a big part of my practice. And I started talking about this stuff, you know, way before, you know, finally, you know, some of the mainstream people are talking about how important circadian rhythm is. And if you get into the research, start looking at the research in cancer, you know, there's a huge link between circadian rhythm disruption and cancer and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all these diseases, a lot of them are, are basically related to circadian rhythm disruption. And that's one of the reasons why our number one habit is walk outside three times a day. You're going to get outside, you get natural light, you get sunrise, you know, sunrise, which is going to set your circadian clock, it's going to help your hormone production, it's going to give you all the things you need. And then throughout the day, in the vitamin D, you know, people don't understand that the sun does way more than vitamin D. The different light frequencies do different things. It penetrates your blood. It does all sorts of different stuff to your blood and your system. But, you know, if you want to boost your immunity quickly, get outside. And then the other thing is, I think, one of the biggest problems with modern, modern life is we sterilize the living daylights out of everything. And so everybody's wiping everything down. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clean, but I don't go obsessive over it. I'm not afraid of being exposed to other people and their germs that is how you build an immune system right that's why children get sick they go out and they play or play in the dirt and you roll around they go to school they get exposed to other organisms and they build immunity to it right and so we've created this world of like you're living in a bubble and you're living in a temperature controlled environment you're not being exposed to nature you're not being exposed to the sun i mean you're told the sun's bad for you you know you're going to get skin cancer and die if you go out in the sun um, so, you know, when it comes to natural immunity, getting in line with nature, getting out, getting your feet in the dirt, um, you know, eating real food, all these things, monitoring, you know, um, trying to control stress, you know, stress, you're under chronic stress, that suppresses immune function. That's why my friend, Dr. Kirk Parkley, and hopefully we'll have him on here soon, he used to, he was a SEAL, and he used to be doctor for the SEALs, and he would notice that every time these guys go on, like, uh, you know, they go on R&R, &R, they go for a week's vacation, they get sick every time because they've been under so much stress, their body suppressed their immune function, and they finally get a rest, and all of a sudden they get sick. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't want to take any time off because I'm going to get sick every time. So it's really interesting how all this stuff works. But, um, you know, that that's why people are looking for, like, all these magic pills and, and magic formulas. But if you don't have those those five fundamental habits and walk outside three times a day, to set your circadian clock, get your vitamin D, um, you know, eat high quality protein, you know, uh, at every meal, uh, drink high quality water, spring water, uh, get the lights off at night, have social connections. You don't have those five things. There's no need to go chasing fancy, out, you know, fancy things or fancy gadgets. You know, if you have those things in check, and you're still having issues. That's where you can go into like, you know, aura ring data. You can go into labs. You can go into all these other things to see if you can 
you know, and the aura ring is great because it tells people that are super hard chargers that don't regulate very well exactly what's going on. Well, how are you feeling? I'm great. I can help feel stressed. And we look at their data and their respiratory rate's 19, their HRV is 5, and their resting heart rate is 7. And it's like, okay, you don't feel like you're stressed, but you, your body's telling me you're stressed. You just, that's become your normal. So we have to basically educate them on, you know, incorporating some stress management into their life, getting them to relax, and so they can actually improve their health. And a lot of people don't have the self-awareness to, to realize that. So that's just a few thoughts. Uh, Dr. Stillman is doing, a, doing some neurofeedback this morning, an appointment for that. Uh, sometime in the next couple of days, we'll do how to boost your immunity naturally fast too, which will be more of the uh, medical detailed version instead of the caveman version. Uh, you know, my version is 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 uh, uh, very concise. And, and, and Dr. Stillman, for those of you that like to geek out, he'll be able to go into the details on that. Actually, if you look in my YouTube, I'll even I'll even uh, I'll even share.